Hello and welcome back to Making Better Bites podcast. This is your host, registered dietitian and fellow imbalanced hormone sufferer, Adrienne. I am so excited for my second Q&A episode talking about nutrition and hormones. Um, And I'm ready to go over three of your questions about the menstrual cycle specifically, since that's kind of been the focus over the last several episodes with the series on your menstrual cycle and foods that you can eat to support different phases of your cycle. Um, A reminder to follow me on Instagram at betterbites underscore RDN, which is linked always in the bio of the episode. If you want to participate more in the podcast and if you want to be able to submit questions for things like Q&A episodes or anytime I answer questions um, or I'm looking for like help basically um, out there. So I also share recipes, um, things like what I'm eating at any given time just to give you inspiration and helpful graphics over there on Instagram as well. I also sometimes will share details about my personal life, like most recently my husband and I were on a work trip for him to Florida, and we enjoyed several days on the beach. There was a lot of good eats to be had there, and I accidentally got my face sunburned and looked like an entire tomato on the first day because it was insanely windy um, in Florida over the last week, Um, and so it was too windy to have my hat on, and I definitely should have put on sunscreen but sometimes that's just the way it goes so I got to look like a tomato and I'm already peeling so that's lovely um but before I discuss the questions I want to do a very fast version of a disclaimer this is not specific specific this is not specific medical advice for anyone I am not trying to diagnose you in any way Um, Please always, always consult your trusted healthcare providers before making any changes or decisions for yourself about your health. So the first question that I'm going to go over says, I see that there are a lot of different accounts talking about hormones recently, especially hormones in a female cycle and different things you can eat or drink during your cycle in each given phase. How much truth is behind this idea? So I know that I touched on this a bit in my last episode, but I love this question because I am able to then elaborate on what I was getting at during that episode um, and kind of do some clarification on like what I meant when I was talking about a similar idea. So I've seen a lot of this as well in people recommending specific drinks at different phases or perhaps encouraging people to try things like seed cycling, um, which is where you eat different like nuts and seeds at different points in your cycle for your hormones. And there is some truth to support these claims, but not all of it is entirely true. The part to understand is that just like medication or changes in activity, um, it takes your body maybe three months or more for changes to start happening in a way that will likely stick for the long term. So I know for myself, anytime I have a medication adjustment, like a new thyroid dose, my doctor waits about three months before checking my blood work again. Um, The same thing applies for your blood sugar checks and insulin resistance. Your doctor will usually check your A1C 
and that's going to give a three-month average snapshot of what your blood sugar has been um, recently over the last three months. And these are more even more relevant examples because they are also checking in on hormone levels, just different hormones than obviously your sex hormones and your menstrual cycle. Um, but just like you would be checking on hormones when you're concerned about different things going on with your cycle. So even though the hormones shift, the overall health is what is going to matter most when it comes to your body and how you're feeling. So um, your body can be giving you signals to abnormal hormone health at any given time during your cycle, and different changes um, can indicate different abnormalities. What this all means for most changes is that if you only make them during specific points in your cycle, then um, it won't be able to support your hormones very well because you need long-term consistency to actually feel better. So the main exception to this is going to be your beverage intake during your luteal phase, which again is the final one to two weeks before your period begins. During this time, it really is important to limit alcohol and caffeine um, and you could see more immediate results with something like this because the alcohol and caffeine can cause dehydration in that given moment, um, in that given phase, which would increase pain you experience from your cramps with your period. Because it's like, it's an instant like current result that you're experiencing from consuming the alcohol um, or a lot of caffeine. Um, it can also... The alcohol can increase your estrogen levels, which is going to cause pain as well, obviously, but it's not as much of a like instant thing. It would be more important to stay consistently hydrated during this phase. Um, I think the point that a lot of people miss when talking about menstrual cycle nutrition is that while the nutrients in specific foods do help different points in your hormone cycle and what's going on at any given time, it's important to eat those foods and those nutrients regularly so you don't become deficient or allow your body's hormones um, to become unbalanced. So mainly in your period, um, the hormones we're looking at, it's going to be your estrogen and your progesterone. You want to know what they're doing and you want them to be in proper balance, of course. Like I've talked a lot about like having estrogen dominance is going to cause like a lot of problems in your body, especially during your menstrual cycle, but with your overall health in general. Um, so another thing that we're looking at besides just the estrogen and progesterone is going to be the connection between your ovaries and your uterine lining um, to your pituitary gland, which is what creates the other important hormones. And then the third thing that we're looking at is the levels of prostaglandins present, um, which is going to be the reason you are experiencing pain um, it, during your cycle or leading up to your cycle is from prostaglandins and how much you have um, releasing those inflammation indicators. So the point is um, they are always present. Um, they're just doing different things at different times. But it's always the same few hormones that your body is concerned with. Um, so you want to make sure that you're taking care of them all the time, not just during one specific point in your cycle. Mm -hmm. 
The next question is, I have concerns about my period pain and my cycle in general, but I'm not sure how to talk about it with my doctor. Do you have any tips? So yes, 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 I absolutely have some tips because I used to be in the same boat as you and now I really don't worry about it so much. I mean, sometimes I get a little bit nervous going into the doctor, which I think is pretty normal, Um, but for the most part, um, it's not that big of a concern anymore. Uh, When I first started going to my doctor and learning about the different problems I had with my cycle and my hormones... I didn't really ask questions or know what to say to my doctor. And this was just a few years ago. So um, a lot has changed for me in the last few years. But I just went along with whatever they said and accepted, unfortunately, being treated poorly and rushed through my appointments. But um, I don't put up with that anymore. And I've learned so much more about myself and gained so much more confidence in understanding my health and advocating for myself. In my opinion, um, the number one thing that you can do for yourself is um, to prepare or when it comes to preparing, the number one thing you can do for yourself is to write notes and keep track of how you are feeling day to day. So I first started doing this when I started practicing the Creighton method of fertility awareness. Um, But you can download different cycle trackers, there's calendars, um, or you can keep track just in a simple journal um, or planner, whatever works best for you. The things you will want to keep track of are definitely the days you're bleeding and what your period and pain symptoms are each day. Um, So that's going to be like how much you're bleeding. Um, If you use tampons um, or pads, you can write down like how many tampons you bled through. Um, and what type they were or same with pads because that's going to tell your doctor like whether or not you have like um, dysmenorrhea or like excessive bleeding, um, amenorrhea, different things like that. Um, So those kind of details will give your doctor that kind of indication and um, if you use a cup like I do, um, just note like the size of your cup, like how many, um, well, I don't know what it if it's milliliters, I can't remember. I guess maybe it's different for every cup, but just note the size of your cup and then like how many times you empty it or how many times it gets full um, each day or like if you're having like um, excessive clots. I know they say if it's larger than a quarter um, or if it happens really frequently, then it's something that's considered like abnormal. So write down all of those different like symptoms and things you're experiencing with your period. And then if you know how to track your ovulation and the signs of your ovulation, then of course also keep track of that and then keep track of your mood all of the time, but especially um, leading up to your period. So that's going to also give you like an idea of like your period or your cycle length, which is also important. And it'll give you an idea of like how long each of your phases is. And then you can start like having expectations for the future. And honestly, just like the more you track and the more information you have for yourself, it's also like beneficial. Um, But when it comes to like tracking your mood, um, having anxiety and depression or other mood disorders prior to your period is also important for your doctor to know because it can indicate different like hormone imbalances or um, could indicate like different illnesses like with PMS and things like that. Um, The more details you have about your symptoms and experiences, the better it's going to be. 
So some other indicators you might not necessarily think to include but can be helpful um, are anytime that you're going to notice that you're having a reaction to a specific food, whether that's something with like IBS, um, which I know is super common also among women who experience endometriosis. Um, and I think IBS is more of like a symptom is kind of how they're talking about it now rather than being an illness on its own. So usually there is a reason that you are experiencing IBS rather than it just being like an like a separate illness um, like individually. Um, the second, another thing you want to keep track of kind of on that same topic is like your bowel movements and any changes that you have from the norm with that because... Um, changes in your stool at different parts of your cycle can um, indicate different hormone problems as well. And then you also want to keep track of any pelvic pain you might be having or if you're experiencing like pain with sex, um, you want to write those things down as well um, because that can be like an indicator for things like cysts or um, fibroids uh, or polyps, different things like that. Um, it also can be an indicator for endometriosis. So there's a lot of things that factor into all of it, um, but it can help you get better care and it can help your doctor to um, know what's going on and kind of have a way to pinpoint it better. Um, if you uh, have a regularly irregular cycle, so like say you have like problems and symptoms with your cycle that lead your cycle to have irregularities but it's like consistently irregular then just writing down this information for like one cycle might be enough for your doctor but if things like often change for you or are not super consistent maybe you have like PCOS symptoms your period's really irregular um, you could go months without it or like your flow changes each cycle um or perhaps like your period and your cycle isn't something that you've previously paid attention to um, and you don't quite know off the top of your head like all of the details of your cycle, then you might want to track things for a few cycles before bringing your concern to your doctor just so you're more confident in what you are worried about and um, like explaining it to them and having like, I guess like proof almost of like what's going on and like how consistent it is. So of course, if you're experiencing any exceptionally intense pain or concerning amount of bleeding, do not wait several <laughs> cycles or anything like that. Um, you want to seek assistance immediately because it can be dangerous and it can be really painful. I know for some people who have like really heavy flow, um, you might need to get an IV pain medication rather than just um, trying to give yourself enough of a dose at home or if you lose too much blood during your period um, it can cause like iron deficiency so you might need to start taking iron supplements things like that if like it's excruciating pain or excessive amounts of bleeding of course like definitely be seeking help faster um, in addition to writing down all of your symptoms be sure to write down all of your questions you have for your doctor in advance as well so this will not only ensure um, that you remember all of them, which is a like problem that I definitely have because I get in there, I get emotional, I get forgetful, I get stressed and overwhelmed, and I definitely like 
used to forget often like questions that I really wanted to go over or concerns I really had or symptoms I thought I was having. Um, and it can also help you be more in control of the tempo of your appointment. Um, don't let the speed of how fast your doctor's trying to get through things and brush you off um, dictate whether or not you feel comfortable getting through all your questions because, um, you know, you're there for that appointment. So you need to ask the questions that you have at the time that you have. And trust me, when it comes to your health especially, there are no silly or stupid or embarrassing questions that you could possibly have. Your doctor is there to help you and should want you to understand what is going on. Um, they should make you feel comfortable with their responses and feel safe in sharing your personal experiences. So something I didn't know that I could do until recently um, in being older and having more experience um, with going to the doctor way too frequently um, is that you can sometimes schedule a consultation with your doctor. So that's something that I have done just to be able to go in and um, give her all of my concerns about my health. I never was given the opportunity with the first place that I was going, but the gynecologist that did my endometriosis surgery allows this, um, where we just have an appointment where we meet in her office and kind of go over like results or um, different things like questions that I have, concerns I have, symptoms I've been experiencing lately. So I recently had a consult with her just because I've been experiencing um, like an increase in pain and concerns about that and also nearing a point of being ready to try to have a baby um, with my husband. So I wanted to talk to her about all of my concerns like up front and like kind of where I am because in the past I've not always been in a place where with my um, hormones and my health where that's something that would be safe to do or like that I would quickly get pregnant basically. Um without going into detail, very vague. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to be able to talk to her about my concerns in advance and get all my labs done again. So she ended up sitting and talking with me about everything for over an hour. And um, she helped me to make a plan for where we will go in the next several months. You know, I had to have um, some, I guess, lab work, some imaging with an ultrasound, a couple of ultrasounds done and blood work and things like that through like conversation with her about my concerns and what I've been experiencing over the last several months as well as um, results of like pain and things I was having during my annual pelvic exam. So don't be afraid to request an appointment to sit down and just talk with your doctor about everything that's going on and any concerns you have. Sometimes your annual checkup just isn't going to cut it for time and really being able to sit down and chat. And oftentimes your um, medical doctor might not even be the one to perform those. I know often, like for me, um, it was the nurse practitioner. So it's, you know, can be a different situation. If your doctor is not receptive to these different things and going over your questions and your concerns, then don't be afraid to find a new one. I know it can be frustrating and difficult and insurance and like the number of providers you have available can be limited based on where you live and all of that kind of stuff. So of course there is going to be limitations. Just always speak up for yourself as much as you can because your health matters 
and you deserve to be heard and to be treated as part of the team when it comes to taking care of your symptoms and your overall health. And then the final question that I will get into was um, pretty simple. Just what are your thoughts on different exercise routines for different times of your cycle? So given that I do not focus on exercise, I didn't study it extensively like I did nutrition or even study it like in a small, you know, aspect of time. Um, I'm not certain on the exact science behind this. And, you know, what your body is able to do depending on your hormones and how um, different, you know, rises and falls in the testosterone, the estrogen and the progesterone, how that can affect like your performance. But I will say I am all for listening to your body and I could see how different types of exercises can be more beneficial um, or easier to perform at different points in your cycle. Uh, There's never a medical reason to avoid exercise entirely during any given time of your cycle. I know sometimes people are concerned whether or not it's safe to exercise during your period, but if you aren't feeling good, if you're not feeling it, just don't force it. You're going to know your abilities and your limits, so just be sure to listen to them. Um, Movement is always going to be something that's good and beneficial for your body, And increased energy might draw you towards higher intensity exercises and heavier weight training, while decreased times of energy uh, might mean walking or stretching. What type of movement you choose should lead to you feeling better physically and mentally at the end of it and not worse ever. So one reason, though, it is important when it comes to your cycle to avoid overdoing it is because, of course, it can throw things off with your hormones. Over-exercising can be just as detrimental to your hormone balance as improper nutrition. Um, Women need a higher body fat percentage than men do in order to maintain a healthy cycle and balanced hormone levels. And it can also put too much stress on your body to over-exercise, which we have discussed a few times, that biological stress can cause issues for Um, your hormones as a woman so I'm sure that there are times of the month where I'm more inclined personally like towards just um, going for walks or like light swimming um, like light light lap swimming or things like that versus times where I am more into like HIIT training um, like higher intensity or like more weight training And I've never really paid attention to whether or not it's because of different times in my cycle. I just kind of do like what feels good, like I'm saying, in that given moment and what I'm enjoying and what makes me happy because I never want to feel like miserable or in pain or disappointed or upset or frustrated by any kind of movement that I choose to do. So I think listening to your body is going to be best. And perhaps there is some science behind doing different things. exercises at different times of your cycle because we have talked about how like your energy and your mood can shift um, based on your cycle and what point you're at but personally I don't have the credentials or the um, knowledge to be able to prescribe something like that or to um, encourage something specifically but I'm sure there's people out there who do and yeah just make sure you're always looking Um, for people that can be trusted and have um, credentials of some sort, support from science-based information when it comes to um, 
you know, what you're going to do with your body and what your health is. We always want to be as educated and um, using as much evidence-based practice as we can. I hope that you did enjoy today's episode and I was able to answer some of the questions that have been top of mind for you. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the episode, and of course, share it with your pals who might also be struggling with finding reliable nutrition and hormone help and advice. This also helps me to know you are enjoying the episodes and nothing makes me happier than being able to get accurate information to more people and to know that I am a trusted source for you. As always, I hope that this episode has helped you to be able to make better bites. Have a great week.